I was a nurse and I had 50 female coworkers. And so if I would ever say, yeah, I don't, it was my first birth, right? So I was like, no, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna have an epidural. I think I, I think I wanna do this unmedicated. They'd be like, please just wait till you meet your first contraction. So I literally stopped telling people. I was like, I don't need to announce to the world what I'm gonna do. I know what I want to do. You don't need your whole nursing unit to think you can do it. It only takes you knowing that you think you can do it. Hey guys, my name is Shayla. Welcome to the Hey Shayla podcast. I went from full-time travel to full-time new COVID mom and holy Wow, is motherhood and adulting a learning curve? There are so many decisions we need to make and a million ways to do it right. I created this podcast to interview some of my gurus to share their knowledge and empower you on your journey. Let me be your guinea pig and ask the questions that you think everyone else knows. Here, we're a little hippie. We try to do things as naturally as possible and we don't take ourselves too seriously. But above all, we support one another and work to find what works. If you're into it, you're our people. Let's get started. You've had three. I've had one. You just said that you completed a doula training, so I want to hear about that. And then at the end, I've got a bunch of questions from when I put it on my story the other day. I love hearing people's delivery stories and you've had three and I'm just curious to hear how they're different, how they're the same. And yeah, so that's a great question. And one thing I wanted to get across in this live is that when you have, when you're going into a new birth, the best thing you can do is understand that this is going to be a different story. This is not the same story as your first birth. This is to be present in the moment and let this birth unfold how it will. That's your story with this new baby. Um, So I think a lot of times, depending on our past experience, whether good or bad, let that linger into our next birth. And at the doula training this weekend, she pointed out a lot of people have to heal that past birth if it didn't go the way that you wanted it to. Interesting. Yeah, so that you can go into this next one with good energy around it and your body is kind of ready to go through this new process. Or I imagine if it's, like you said, even if it's a good one, so you don't cling to that, like, did it once going to go the yeah. exact same this time? Oh, yeah. Be like, no, this we didn't do this the last time, so I don't want to do, like, you have to kind of stay open and fluid. Right unfold. So my first time around with our oldest, who is five, I remember every single thing from the birth. So I also wanted to clear that up because I think it gets told to us, like, you're going to forget it. Like, it's good. It's going to happen. And then you're going to forget it. I'm like, I could write that birth story like it just happened. Wow. Yeah. So we've got to let moms know that because if you're empowered and ready to go into that birth, um, you can make an educated decision. If you don't have the information you need to make those decisions, that might stick with you longer than you're thinking. So how would you say to get that information? Because somebody who obviously doesn't know anything about labor delivery, like a normal woman maybe, and then they're like, okay, cool. I need to know everything. Yeah. I I, I would go towards it. And I think a lot of people in the American culture kind of go away from it. They're like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to like 
do anything. There's so many different ways to prepare. I know you did hypnobirthing. Yeah. I definitely, I watched the business of being born, the original one. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah. Life changing for me. I was, I started to understand what's called the cascade of intervention, which essentially means if you start interventions in the birth, it's, it's more likely that they're going to keep having to do interventions. So for me, that was my catalyst. That was like all I needed to know. I was like, okay, I have my why. I want to do this. Yeah. I feel like I can do it. I, I'm empowered with all this information. Like, let's go. So I think preparation looks different for everyone. Know your personality type. Like Shayla, there's probably a reason you picked hypnobirthing. And oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And totally. for I wasn't as attracted to hypnobirthing, nothing against it, but I was like, yeah. I think that that's for me. So like, yeah. I can't pull Shayla's playbook or my playbook. You've got to figure out like, what, what do I think that I want? Like what lines up with my personality? Totally. Yeah. I, and that's, my wait. midwife told me that she was like, cause I was like, <laughs> so our carpets are getting put in upstairs, which is really exciting. <laughs> So I don't know how often that's going to happen, but it's happening. <laughs> like, this might happen during your birth. The, uh, <laughs> gotta, like, like, it doesn't matter what's happening with that carpet because we're trying to empower <laughs> women with this information. Totally. I just wonder if I can go on mute. <laughs> well, I, just, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Seriously, though, I don't know if I can mute myself or not. Well, we'll see how often it happens. So, yes, I agree. And and from I have a friend who had a C-section who went into it doing natural birth, and she said that even though she had a C-section, which is fantastic, she yeah. said she felt so empowered because she knew all of the information and she knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And she knew every step of the way, like, okay, I understand yes, let's do it. Okay. I understand. Yes, let's do it. Instead of just feeling like you're out of control and not really knowing what's going on. So I definitely agree with you. That information piece is like super empowering. Yeah. Um, that was something that somebody said was like, how do you have that conversation with your provider? How do you can like, what if they're offering things you don't want and stuff like that? So kind of going on that, what would you say to that? How yeah. in your experience? Talked a lot about that in our doula training this weekend. And it's really the fact that you have to have, um, it's not that you have to know the right questions, but you literally just have to say, what are the benefits to doing that? Like if they wanted to start Pitocin, what are the benefits to doing that? And then you say, okay, what are the risks? Right. That? So you need to know those risks. And then you say, what happens if we do nothing? Sometimes I think what happens is it starts to go really fast. Like you're in pain, you know, you're not thinking as clearly sometimes, but if we can slow down and say, what happens if we just wait another hour and I can think about this, obviously you're working with your healthcare provider to make sure that that is safe for you and your baby. That's the, right. both of us totally understand that it needs to be a safe decision, but, um, it doesn't have to always be as rushed as some of these women kind of get into having your partner, like having Seth know like, okay, this is my goal. This is my plan. Right. Um, 
people work with doulas, which I obviously love and totally support. Those people can be beside you. They are not there to like take over your birth or make your decision for you, but they're there to help remind you or prompt you like, hey, did you want to, you know, think about this a little bit more? Did you want to ask what the risks are? Yeah. And even just, I feel like in preparation for birth, it's nice to work with a doula so that you, they, because they know kind of the questions to ask and to be like, okay, would you want this or this? And it kind of explain it to you how you want. Um, I would, with the having people pressure you and stuff like that, I think it's, I found it really important to trust my midwife. I like told her what I wanted and she basically was like, yeah, we'll do that if, if any, like, I was like, I don't want an episiotomy. She's like, okay, I'm not going to do that unless it's like an emergency. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, then that's okay. Like, so I think it's important to work with your provider, midwife, OB, doula, whoever, and know that if they tell you we need to go do a C-section or we need to, like, I was like, I'm not laying on my back. That's not how it's natural, blah, 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 blah. And so I was on my side and they were like, your baby's heart rate is dropping. And I was like, whoop, on my back. <laughs> Whatever you say, I trust you. And and I felt the same way about the hospital that we chose. It was like they had a tub and I like kind of interrogated them in our in our uh, tour and was just like, okay, is this a typical thing? Is this normal? And they were like, yeah, sure, that's fine. And I was like, okay, I feel very, yeah. I, feel, I trust the people around me. And so I think that is one way to kind of like not feel pressured into things is like to talk to your midwife or OB and like trust them. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And there's great like collectives is kind of what you call them. Like I had an OB group and I knew what their values were as a practice. I talked through things. I had excellent labor and delivery nurses. So yeah, like to say that people that are helping you birth can definitely be in your corner. And, right. and sometimes you don't vibe with a certain provider and that's okay. It's okay to switch. It's just like friends. Like you're not gonna, everyone's not gonna vibe. Yeah. That's bad on them. That's not bad on you. It's just not a good fit. So I would listen to your intuition if you're like, I am really, I just don't, I feel like this person's a little abrasive or a little bit like our views don't line up. I should send you guys this really cool thing this weekend. It's like, you've got to know where they land. Like if it's a midwife and she's more slow to do interventions and that lines up with where you are, you guys are going to have a good birth experience because you're this right. yep. in, in your beliefs. But say you have an OB that is very much like, no, you know, he, he's more willing to do interventions and you're over here like, no, I literally want this now. You guys are too far apart. And so that yeah. work, you know, if you can have someone that's a little bit closer in alignment, totally. that, that's going to go better. I agree. Did you have like a doula, a midwife in the hospital, home birth? What, what did you do? No. So I, um, I had an OB and and like we talked about personality before my first birth, I was like, okay, when I'm in a situation that is really challenging, what works for me? I'm like, I go very internal. I'm very independent. My husband says I'm like a Scientologist during birth because I don't talk to him. <laughs> I don't think I need a doula. And like, I, I know that I have coping mechanisms within me. So we went to my first birth and that was very much how it played out. Like I pretty much got my 
got into my rituals, got into my rhythms by myself. And that really worked well for me. And then after that first birth, I was like, yeah, I like, I get how I do things. Um, you know, maybe, maybe other people out there, their personalities, like, no, I really like that support. I really right. like right there reassuring me that everything's going to be okay. That might be like, a doula would be a perfect fit for you. Also, something to note is sometimes we don't know how our labor support people are going to react to. Like if it's us first time and he passes. Totally. Out, yeah. Is he good? Is he good? With <laughs> is he good with, you know, things like that support person has to kind of be equipped to give the support that you want as a bird. Hmm. And if you totally. feel okay, my husband passes out when like someone cuts their finger. <laughs> right. I might want a doula because I don't think that this is going to be his starring role. And that's not bad on him. Like we're all very different. The doula is there to support the birth partner and the birther. So totally. she doesn't want to be the star of your show. She right. would be like, okay, Seth, Shayla's having a lot of back pain. Counter pressure really works. Let me show you this for one contraction. Yeah. And then if you want to do it, I'll step out of the way and, and he can do it. Because we really want like the birther and the support person to feel like it's their story and yeah. in the background. Cool. Need us, but if you don't, like it's your story. It's your birth. Well, and I've heard a lot of partners that were like, doulas are the best. <laughs> Like, yeah. The partner was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wanted the doula, but I'm so glad we had it. Well, yeah, like <laughs> to give you a break and partner a little more freedom to like be able to go to the bathroom. Like I know in our last birth, Drew had to pee for like the whole thing and he couldn't leave me. He was <laughs> so he's like holding his pee the whole time, where as a doula could step in for one contraction right. and the guy could the, the woman or the male could go do what they need to do so that right. they show up and be super present and focused for the birther. That was the same for me, Seth. I could, I, cause I did have back labor and he was doing counter pressure on every single contraction and I'm in the tub. And at one point I could tell he was like eating snacks. And I was like, I, cause I was hypnobirthing. I literally was somewhere else. So it's so interesting for me to hear you say, like, I could remember every single second, like Seth, I have Seth tell me the story. I'm like, tell me the story again. Like, I don't really remember a lot of it because I really feel like I was just, once she finally was born, I feel like I was like, there's five people in the room? Like what? Oh, it was, gosh, that's so wild. It was wild, yeah. So, but I remember I was having a contraction and I was like, Seth, Seth, like counter pressure. And I could hear him like, cause he had put gloves on because you were in the water and you know, like, he was yeah. eating snacks. And I'm like, Okay, so it's really interesting you say that. I learned that this weekend. So a lot of times, whether you have the education or not, women typically go into their birthing ritual. So you're doing something that copes with your pain for every contraction. And so for me, before I even knew this, I just did it. Like with Max, I was literally at the side of a table, like half squatting through every single contraction. Oh, I, yeah. I do that. Like it was my coping mechanism. So a lot of times when people don't understand this, like their partner is helping them through the contractions, doing counter pressure. And then one counter pressure, he's off eating a snack. And you're like, no, like, yeah. I, like I literally need you because yes. you're out of your brain and you're like, the 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 
ritual has to go on for you to hope the best you can. It sounds really funny, but most of us that given unmedicated birth know that it's true. Like once you're in your rhythm, you don't want anything to change. Totally. Okay. So somebody just said, can you talk about the correct way to breathe? And I'm saying this because I know that you have an answer for that, right? Yeah. So the correct way to breathe during labor, like you need to have that full inhale and the full exhale. And why, why I remind you of the inhale is you're able to relax your pelvic floor. If you're missing that piece, your baby's not going to be able to descend where it needs to go. So like for me, I'm like, and it's really that nice full breath. And it's awesome that you're breathing so deep because it makes your contractions seem to go a little bit a little bit faster yeah. in my head, especially the first birth, I was like, okay, I only need to do 10 really deep breaths and I'm going to be there. Yeah. Um, so that's a really big, and that can become part of your ritual. And that would be really helpful to you and your baby being born to have that nice pelvic floor relaxation. Totally. And that's, so that's something that somebody's like, is, is birth just screaming the whole time? And you, okay, so also you have just written a blog for me that's going up on my blog about natural birth. So I know a little bit about all yeah. of your stuff already. So talk about that because I think it will shock people what, how your experience Okay, was. so my second, my second birth, no offense to my other children, I would do that one over and over again if I could because it was such a calm, tranquil birth. And like you're almost, you probably weren't because you didn't hit no birthing, but I was like shocked with what was happening because my ritual that time was during my relaxation between contractions, I was laying in the tub. I, yeah. I The warm water tub bath is typically a really, really good way to go. It, it relieves a lot of pain. So I was laying back between contractions and I literally would fall asleep. And then the contraction would wake me up and I would rise up I would meet my contraction by sitting up and then I would just breathe through it, kind of rocking in the tub. And then I would go back and do it again. So it was like, it was just the most beautiful birth. And then by the time I was feeling a lot of pressure and they checked me and I was complete and I was in the tub and at my place, they don't let you birth inside the tub. Same. So they're like, get out of the, I'm like, I can't get out of the Same. tub. That's exactly what happened to me. I was like, I can't I'm not. <laughs> I tried to give birth on the toilet like I did the first time and they wouldn't let me. So they're like waking me off to the edge of the bed. Um, but with that one, I would say a lot of times in birth, like the mom will actually be, if she has the right ritual and the right support, she will actually feel a lot more in control. Sometimes when you feel out of control, it's the eight to 10 transition period. It's it's a very intense sensation. I remember my first birth, I looked at my my amazing labor and delivery nurse, Anne, <laughs> and I'm, sca I'm scared. I started shaking and I did start puking, which can happen during birth. And I just, I, I remember the look in my eye, I had tears. I told her I was scared. She's like, Amy, this is all good signs. Like you are so close. You have made it so far. You're doing so awesome. And it was like that very direct feedback I needed. And I was like, okay, like I am doing it. I did get out of the tub and start to labor. So you might transition, like say the tub's really working. 
but you start shaking and stuff and you need to change. I then changed out of that position and I was in a new, a new one with something else that was helping me cope. So, um, it's not like if you're screaming, that's okay. Totally. <laughs> it might be that you need something else to kind of like help you ground you that, um, especially when you're getting eight to 10 ish, like literally during contractions, your coping mechanism might be a lot of people are auditory. So that's when you'll be like, <laughs> right. And that's okay. Like whatever. Yeah to get that baby out who cares well, and no That's one is self-conscious at that point like no matter what is happening you are just like trying to get this baby like I because you said that you breathed the baby down right yeah so also with um also usually the the uterus especially when you're with an unmedicated birth the uterus does 90 percent of the work so for me it was literally i was working with my contraction i did assist like i did push a little bit but the purple push which means when we're like <laughs> proven to not be that doesn't work so like we've got to reteach women it's really your breathing you might push, but it's not this like hold your breath and bear down as long as you can. Like, you're working with the contraction. And one positive benefit of unmedicated is you can really feel that full contraction and work with your body. Totally. I started pushing not in a contraction. And they were like, wait, 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 don't just wait for the contraction to come. Yeah. But there's two things. So I read, did you ever read Ina May's Guide to Childbirth? No, I haven't though. Oh my gosh. I would recommend that for every single person who wants to do an unmedicated birth. It is, it is incredible. She says in there that women have had given birth in comas before yeah, because yeah. our bodies yeah. literally know what to do. And so it's like, and so, and she explained like, it's hard to give birth with like a bunch of people around you, like telling you to push, push, push. She's like, imagine trying to poop in the middle of a room and having people tell you to push. All right, we're gonna talk about probiotics. Love bug probiotics specifically. I took these probiotics all through pregnancy, all postpartum, and now I'm giving them to my toddler as she's more on solids and less on breast milk. During pregnancy, it helps my gut biome. It helps seed the gut biome for my baby. And we know that a healthy gut contributes to a healthy immune system. You can take their prenatal probiotics right along with your prenatal vitamins. And they have a subscription option. So you can just get them delivered to you exactly when you run out. I do not like subscription things, but I love them for my vitamins so that I never have to run out. I have an affiliate code, hey Shayla, for 15% off. Let's get back to it. It's not gonna happen. You need yeah. to like have a little bit of privacy, kind of like relax, like, she said that your mouth and your cervix, like if you can relax your mouth, that'll help your cervix relax. And so, but I think the same thing, like imagine you have to poop, right? You're pushing and you're pushing and pushing. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. If you can just sit there for a minute and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, poop. Like yeah, you, it, it actually is the exact same thing. If you guys are out there pushing while you're pooping, that's also not good. Like that's what <laughs> There you go. It's Really, like your colon should be able to help you if you relax. Like when I'm on the toilet, even not to be TMI, but we're talking about childhood. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm on the toilet, I literally am deep breathing. I'm like, just to relax. Yeah. Because it's relaxing out. Like your pelvic floor needs your help to relax. Um, but along with 
like there's a lot to talk about here. So like if you're in the semi repugnant position, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that is like not the best position to birth in, but like for the medical system, that's the easiest way for the doctor to catch the baby, but it makes your pelvis the smallest it can be because your tailbone comes up a little bit in that position. So this is part of the reason that Shayla and I are doing this. Like if you empower yourself to be like, even if I have an epidural, I don't have to push in that position. It's not really position to get a baby out. Here's other options that I've researched and I'd like to to try, like that's a totally great answer. And if they're, if your doctor's like, no, hold your breath and push, you're like, no, expecting an empowered told me I don't have to hold my breath. Because that happens over and over again. And I don't know, it's like, it's just, it's new information. It's the fact that, it, I mean, it's not new information, but I'm just saying people have done it the same way over and over, having these women in the wrong position with the wrong pushing technique and like, Hey, let's, let's look at the research. Let's empower people to say like, we don't have to do it like that. Right. Cause it's easy for the doctor. My, it, like a couple. T- so I've given birth to all three boys standing up in a squatted position. Yeah. And the OB, the, especially the residents, I, I give birth at teaching hospitals have been like, can you get in the bed? And I'm like, no, I'm not in the bed. I'm- <laughs> I'm not birthing in that bed. All three times the attending from my practice had to take over because the resident isn't used to catching a baby right. in position, but I'm not there to make their job easier. They're right. there to make my birth easier on me. So just empowering yourself to be like, I mean, you guys, sometimes you do have to advocate for yourself and like, no, I just told them from the beginning. I'm like, I don't lay down to birth. So that's not going to happen here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you got. You guys need to prepare. But it's hard. It is hard because like we trust our doctors and we trust that they're going to like do the things that we need and that they're going to keep us safe. So when they're telling us something, you don't want to argue with your doctor because you're like, well, I don't know. I I don't think I was supposed to do it like that. So even if you just say, hey, can I try it like this first or something like that, just to see if it changes things. It's yeah, it's crazy. And, and I, when I'm at like, you know, ready to push, I'm a little aggressive and you might find that about your, <laughs> but that it is what it is like that you're, you're advocating for what you need. You're not being mean, but you're being straightforward, direct. I'm not going to go in that bed. If they had a medical reason you had to, you could hear right. them for me. I'm like, no, I'm not getting in that bed. Yeah. So when you prepared, um, like, did you do any classes or did you do just, you just knew mentally you'd get there? Like yeah, somebody I, else said that they wanted to do natural. Greatest example, but this is my normal personality. Like I'm not an <laughs> over preparer. Yeah. So I did watch the business of being born. I watched like several births. I read like this was about five years ago. Blogs were even bigger than they are now. So mm-hmm. I, I read a lot of child birth blogs for women that had unmedicated but I always told myself I'm like Amy this is their story this isn't your story so if Shayla has a good point a tool for my toolbox I'll take it but I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna have my own birth experience totally um but yeah I felt really ready to go one thing I did do that I would recommend is that I wrote a letter to myself and I was just so kind and encouraging. Like, I know that you can do this. Oh, I love that. 
Yeah, I can share. It was like, and I did that again the second time because it's like, really, if you want to do unmedicated, there's support people around you, but it really is going to be you like truly believing that you can do this and talking yourself into it when it gets hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've got to be your own best support woman. I agree. I agree. And I, I am seeing some comments. I, I just, it's such a hard topic to cut. Like, I remember being pre pregnant and being like, I want to do a Medicaid. And people were like, okay, good luck. Especially when I said I want to do hypnobirthing. I'm like, yes, yeah, like this meditation through labor. And my mom was just like, no. And I was like, yes, yes, I will. <laughs> and so you do have to have that like internal. But my, I didn't make like a, I did go through one with my doula, like what thing, like a birth plan. But my ultimate birth plan was healthy baby, healthy mom. And like I said before, I think as long as you're educated on what, or you know some of the options and what could happen, and you know that as those things are happening, you're like, okay, I feel good about that. I feel good about that. I feel good about that. Then great. Then at least you're empowered to go into an epidural or a C-section. Or if you're like, why would I want to experience natural childbirth? I want an epidural. Cool. Like yeah. there's just so, it's like you said in the beginning, like some people are, would not want to meditate through birth. Some people want to be active. Some people want to like, and so I think you're right in just deciding for yourself, not just because, oh, people are doing unmedicated. So that's what I should do. Like deciding what is right for you, I think, and then trying to make that happen. Well, it's like, it's the self-awareness that we all need as we yeah. go thing in our life. It's like, you know yourself, trust that intuition of like what you're, what you're thinking. Back to your point about your mom being like, nah, girl, you, you can't do that. It's like, I worked, I was a nurse and I had 50 female coworkers. And so if I would ever say, I, yeah, I don't, it was my first birth, right? So I was like, no, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna have an epidural. I think I, I think I wanna do this unmedicated. They'd be like, please. Yeah. Please just wait till you meet your first contraction and then Yes. Yeah. So I literally stopped telling people. I was like, I don't need to announce to the world what I'm gonna do. I know what I wanna do. My husband supports me. So that's another thing too, is like if you tell your support person why, because you know, our our people love us, right? So like they see us in pain, they might wanna be like, Shayla, why don't you just get the epidural? Like this right. like so painful but if you're like babe here's why I want to do this it would mean so much to me if you brought positivity if you brought encouragement if you kept reminding me babe I know you can do this yeah I think sometimes the partners aren't even aligned like one partner is like why wouldn't you just take medication yeah. Yeah. and you're like no this is something I really want to do so like lining that up but then knowing you don't need your whole nursing unit to think you can do it. It only takes you knowing that you think you can do it. Yeah, I agree. Well, and with COVID, it's like a whole other story. So like, I mean, it could just be Seth. Seth was the only one in the room with me. And it was, I just think, I think a lot of people are really bummed about the fact that you can only have one. And some places are changing yeah. now. But for me, I thought it was fantastic. Like, yes, I was very sad that my sister and my mom could not be with me. But at the same time, it was a nice little intimate moment for Seth and I because he was like right there when I needed him. It was our little family when she was born. And we just got to like, just not worry about because I remember him being like, well, my whole family will be out in the waiting room. And I was like, no, 
that's so much pressure. Like, then they're just waiting for you. In the worst of the worst. Okay, so I had two labor and delivery clinicals. And, like, I've seen the mother-in-law being out in the waiting room and coming in a couple times to check on progress. Or, you know, even worse, where if if someone had a C-section, you know, the mother-in-law holding the baby before you hold the baby. Like, I just want you guys to know that whatever you and your partner decide is your boundaries, your healthy boundaries, you should make that choice. It shouldn't be of guilt because someone else wants to be in your birth. If you want them in your birth, by right. all means, like that's yeah. beautiful. I know people that love you. The Kardashians bring everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want my husband. We don't tell anyone we're going to the hospital when I go into labor. We have that whole night to ourselves. We don't live tweet or anything. Like it's right. a special sacred moment. We're bringing a new baby into the world. Yeah. Do it. But we're, both of us are saying like, you do whatever you want to do, but don't compromise because people are pressuring you because you're never going to get that moment back. Like right. that. And if you know, I love my mother-in-law. She's like, we're so close, but I do not need her in my delivery room. Like I right. heard she's, she's so talkative and I'm so not talkative. Yeah. <laughs> we're that far apart. Like I right. know it's not going to line up and that's not going to help me. So like, that's a no for me. Yeah. And was, was she fine with it? Oh yeah. Well, she was a little sad when we said that we weren't going to tell anyone we were going to the hospital because they live like two hours away. She's like, I'd really like to be able to start heading your way. And I yeah. was like, I understand. And you're so excited for your first grandchild. But for me, I just feel like I don't need that extra pressure. Pressure, yeah. Because the postpartum woman too, like you go through the delivery and then there's this recovery period and you don't know what's going to happen right there. Like you don't know, you could be so exhausted. You don't want to see, like, there's just so many variables that for me, I was like, I understand where you're coming from. Here's where I'm coming from. I mean, I'm obsessed with therapists and communication, <laughs> but like clarity is key to life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna, if you're unclear, that just leaves too many question marks they might show up and you're like, what? You know? Yeah. So like, I'm still going to labor for another 20 hours and you're here. Like, I don't want you here. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, let me look at some of these questions. We've done a lot of them, but I'll kind of see. Oh, a lot of people are asking about an epidural. So from what I know about epidurals from my Ina May guide to childbirth, basically, or maybe not either way, <laughs> sometimes so what I've read is that if you fear birth, your body goes into a fight or flight method. Mm -hmm. And so you're in the hospital and you're scared, understandably. Yeah. <laughs> but, but also there's been a lot of, and this is what the whole book talks about. It talks about how like we're inundated with like emergency situations and like all this like chaos that goes along with birth when it could be more relaxing if that's how we want it. So when you're in labor and you're scared, your body goes into fight or flight, which means your cervix closes because your body goes, this is not a safe place to give birth. But your uterus is like, ah, it's happening. We're going. And it starts like pushing baby down while your cervix is still tight, which causes a ton of pain. So if you can relax and just be like, okay, and this is why I did hit no babies, because it was a way for me to just like, ju during a contraction, they literally tell you to just kind of like go just 
don't move. Don't try and fight it. Just let it wave over you and then go away. And so if you can relax, then your cervix can open up. And as your uterus pushes out, the baby comes out and it's less pain, hypothetically. But the, what the epidural can do is let your body do that. Because your mind is saying, I'm scared. This isn't happening. Cervix closes. Where the epidural can relax the bottom half and like let your body relax the cervix. And so that would be a benefit of an epidural if you're like, in the or if you're tired because you still have to push i know i've talked to a lot of women who have like been pushing and pushing and pushing and they're just like this labor is going on forever i can't do it any longer and then they get the epidural and then things progress because they can finally like relax let their body recharge and get ready for pushing so there's there's just been a couple of epidural yeah. questions so that's what i know about it and that's one potential benefit if you're kind of like wanting to do it but i think if you want I think if you want to do unmedicated, you should really like try and focus on that and not like, do I want one or don't want, do I not, do I not like go one way and then just try and stay the course. Yeah. That what you're saying in the beginning has so much science behind it. It's called the fear pain cycle. And so the more fear you have, the more pain you are going to feel fight or flight catechol means they're getting released when you have that really intense like fear and that's hard to overcome it's almost something that has to be overcome before you land in that delivery room and that's not to say i i told you guys i got so scared during my first birth that one moment where i was like holy shit that's actually a really that's like a signpost of labor most people have that moment where they're like oh my gosh like i can do this and, and that like literally usually you're in transition and you're like this close from doing it. And so a lot of women I've talked to too is like, gosh, I didn't know I was like so close because by the time they like when we say I want to epidural, someone can't just come in the room right away and give it usually. So there's like a period of time and sometimes people are literally get to past it because they're trying to get their epidural and they're actually in transition and things are really headed in the right direction. Like you said, I am not against epidurals. I have friends that are like, yo, that is not the life for yeah. me. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I'm epidural as soon as I can. Totally. But I will say for women that do get epidurals, that that's very correct. Like typically the woman is having a really hard time relaxing her pelvic floor and that's really holding up the baby's ability to descent. So um, for me, before my first birth, I went to a women's health physical therapist, which we know at Expecting and Empowered, we're huge fans of. And she was like, your pelvic floor is really tight. And so she was helping me with her fingers, like relax my pelvic floor. But also what she did for me was she under, I, that was the first time I understood how to link my breathing, which we talked about earlier, to my pelvic floor. So she would literally have me breathe and then she would tell me my pelvic floor was relaxing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's like, it's so interconnected like with your breath. So that's one thing, like if you're like, okay, I might need that support of like understanding how to breathe and connect with my pelvic floor, like a woman's health physical therapist, she can also help to stretch your perineum out. Again, there's never too much TMI here like a woman that's never given birth down there has a, a ton of stretching to do and <laughs> 36 
we can do it ourselves or go to a woman's health physical therapist or have our partner help to start to stretch out our perineum so that it is more ready for, I mean, my babies were eight pounds to come through. Like that's a lot of stretching that has to happen. Um, so that, but back to the epidurals, if you get, if you do get an epidural, I just want to empower the women out there. You don't have to birth on your back. There's different positions that you can birth in. And one thing we learned this weekend is like a really important note is that a lot of times you want to be at a station of plus two, which means the baby's literally coming out to start your pushing process because starting too early plus having an epidural on board can just be a really prolonged pushing process. Um, So making sure that you like, your team is telling you like, yes, you are like very ready to push here, um, can really help. Yeah. No, I think that's, it's, I like found it fascinating. I, I think it's so cool that you did the whole, you're doing the doula thing because I just like, I think I thought of childbirth as my wedding day. Like the way most people think of their wedding day, I think I've thought of my childbirth. <laughs> like I was excited for it. I was like, yeah. what's going to happen? It's going to be primal and it's going to be whatever. <laughs> but no, that's awesome. And when you, like, one thing that I was surprised about was during that transition, when you start to shake and yeah. you're like shaking. And I remember Seth being like, are you cold? And I was like, no, Seth, this is transition. And he was like, okay. And then when I had to get on the bed from the tub, I'm literally shaking again. And I was like, I can't even twerk like this when I try. Like, these are the things that I'm saying as I'm like about to push a baby out. But what did, so did you have expecting and empowered before like did you do these i don't know when you guys were founded but so so before my first birth i was um like certified to teach prenatal classes so like i definitely understood the benefit of working out but i didn't have that exact plan second birth um actually trey and expecting and empowered are these same age so like we birthed expecting an empowered and Trey, which means that I used it my entire pregnancy. And, and that was beyond helpful. I know we wanted to get into like the physical um, preparation. So with expecting an empowered in the third trimester, what we're doing is we're literally preparing you for labor and delivery. So you'll notice the repetitions go up. Way up. Oh, well, yeah. I remember being like, 30? <laughs> You're like, F these girls. But it's like, it's like you, it's a very physical event, especially for those of you that want to try unmedicated. Like a lot of the times you are, a lot of us cope by moving around. So for example, my first birth, I the next day I'm like, my legs are so sore. And Drew's like, Amy, you did half squats for four and a half hours. Like, of course your legs are sore. <laughs> like piecing together that like this is this is an endurance event. This is a very physical event. This is a full body event. Like you literally use your entire body. So the more prepared you are like the more in control, like I felt so empowered. I'm serious. Like all of my births, I'm like, I had a runner's high times 50 for those that have been a runner. And that's also science is your oxytocin spiking so high, which like moms that have medication or epidural, they do miss out on that spike of oxytocin. Um, But you, you feel euphoric. You feel like some moms walk away from birth and they're like, 
if I can do that, I can literally do anything in the world. Um, so that's like getting your body. You wouldn't go run a half marathon without training at all. Right. Exactly. Full marathon without training. So yep. it's literally that preparation. It's physical. We've talked a lot about the mental prep, but it is that physical and putting them together. Agreed. So for me, on opposite of what you're saying, mine was not super physical. I didn't. I was like, <laughs> right? Because why? Because you're a hypnobirther. Yes. <laughs> I know. But I was like, I, and this again, I asked the hospital, like, do I have to be hooked up? Do I have to have the IV? Do I have to have like all these things? And they were like, no, you don't, you don't, whatever. So I think I did end up getting just the plug of the IV in case I needed something quickly. But other than that, it was nothing. And then when I started, whatever. But yeah, I was in the tub the whole time. And I was like, I kind of felt like I peed in the, like how you pee. Like when we were little, we used to pee in the pool. And I was like, I think my water, <laughs> I was like, I think my water just broke. She's like, mm -hmm. and she's like, you're going to get a pushing sensation. And I was like, I think I feel like pushing. And like, they didn't really take me seriously because I was just like, Seth, I kind of feel like pushing. And so the nurse came in and she's like, yeah, you're like, good. we need to get you out of the tub. And I was like, uh-uh, like exactly what you said. So, but I started expecting it empowered in the third trimester because that's when I found you. Yeah. And I pushed for 24 minutes. And I think that it is because of the workouts. All right, we're going to take a brief break to talk about Expecting and Empowered. Expecting and Empowered is a pregnancy and postpartum workout guide, and I recommend this to everybody that's pregnant or postpartum. It's like the one thing that people are like, are you going to do that for your next pregnancy? 1,000%. So I'm an affiliate with them. You can use my code, Hey Shayla. It will get you $10 off the guides. They also just came out with a labor and delivery course. It's brand new, super exciting. If you have any questions about it, please DM me on Instagram, Hey Shayla. All right, let's get back to it. So yeah. although mine was not doing four hours of squats, <laughs> I think that like the pelvic floor work, the stretching, the strength, the everything, like, cause she's like the, my midwife had a flat tire. And so she didn't make it to my birth, but the OB that was there was great. <laughs> and so she was like, okay, like, let's just do a practice push. Let's see how, and she goes, okay, we need to get ready. Like, I guess whatever I did moved yeah. baby down quickly and she was like oh she's having very effective pushes so we need to like be ready and so i got out of the tub at two o'clock and at 224 she was here and so i think and i think that's huge apart to hypno babies and to expecting and empowered for just the mental and the physical yeah and yeah so, that's the at the end um for those of you not familiar we have a pelvic floor section of our pregnancy guide and at the end we teach you to bear down and that means you're assisting your uterus and pushing. So a lot of women like don't even understand the connection of like pushing. And it's like, you guys, you could literally put your hand on your crotch and like you can feel if you Kegel, you should be able to feel your bottom pull away from your hand and you know you have an effective Kegel. So like, let's quit being cute with women and say like, here, like put your hand on your crotch. Right. Do now, when you're you're almost ready to give birth, do you feel like you can bear down, um, which means like pushing out? Um, so yeah, I and just, I remember in the guide reading that, and I was like, pushing out? Why would I want to do that? And then like, I think there's a little part where it explains why you're doing all that, and it's like, well, we don't want just a tight pelvic floor; we want to be able to relax. And I was like, 
Oh, but it was said that I would work out together. Like learning to relax your pelvic floor, that seems so silly to people because it seems so passive. But the problem with a lot of, especially first time moms, and actually can be second time moms, your pelvic floor is too tight. So like it can't do what it needs to do because a lot of us, especially former athletes, their pelvic floor is so tight and it's being like a baby can't go through. But if you're able to relax it, if you're able to link it to your breath, if you're not afraid to, to touch yourself and make sure that you like can connect with your pelvic floor, usually pushing goes a lot better. Yeah. And I've had people ask me like, would you, so do you think the pregnancy guide or the postpartum guide is more important? And I was like, two different things. Like yeah. pregnancy guide is prepping you for labor. It's keeping you. And yes, like working out keeps you in shape, but like, that's not really what this is about. This is about like prepping you for labor and delivery and then the recovery process. Like I was so grateful to have that recovery process. And like you guys talk about all the time, it's a, it's a problem in the U.S. of just like, all right, well, you just push something out of your body and uh, good luck. Like, yeah. So it's nice to have that guide. We'll look at you quick and then we'll tell you you're fine. Like that's yeah. just- recovery was and to your point too with expecting and empowered okay so after the first after my first child we didn't have the postpartum guide you guys i had tremendous like nursing neck which when when we're in this position for 12 weeks nursing our babies and looking down at them like i had tension headaches i my shoulders were up to here you guys i was so anxious after my first baby which is a we can do a whole nother live on that but like I was so uncomfortable that it literally made mothering hard. Like I was like, I just had so much tension. And so at the end in the third trimester and at the beginning of the postpartum guide, we're literally doing exercises so that you guys can hopefully avoid the nursing neck and the upper back pain. And what you guys will find is like, even your partners will have that pain. Like my husband had that pain because we're yeah. in this position where we're bent over and like holding a baby for so long so like we say momming is physical because what you also have to understand is like when you're throwing your um stroller up into the back of your car and your abdomen and your pelvic floor isn't healed and you don't you're not able to handle the pressure like we all know those are like you're like right guess what happens your pelvic floor goes down and we can get into things like prolapse because our body hasn't recovered and we haven't thought of ourselves it's totally we've got to be an active part of our recovery process like the mom's body matters so much it's also like very linked to your mental health like having prolapse issues if you're having urinary incontinence like that the rates of postpartum depression and things like that are much higher. So like we need to give these women a really great opportunity to heal. And a lot of healing is actually active. Like there's things that we can do. My sister is a women's health physical therapist. There's things we can do to help ourselves. Cause otherwise what happens too is like, you're so freaking busy after you have a kid running to appointments, breastfeeding, if you're breastfeeding, doing all these things, and so instead of like, oh, I've got this problem and I, I think I need some help with it, but I just don't have the time to deal with it. Like we have women waiting like a year, two years, whatever. And that does it, that impacts your life, that impacts you wanting to have another baby. Yeah. Like there's so many things. All of this is so interconnected and it's my passion because I'm like, you guys, you need this information. It's not right. just 
like this cute event. It's like right. this serious. Yeah, like, and there's not a ton of support around it. Yeah, I agree. Um, somebody asked when the guide starts, and it's day one. And I remember thinking, like, yeah, right. But it's just like breathing, breathing exercise. Walking. Yeah, but yeah. that's so helpful. Even just that to be like, oh. I can, because I remember even some of the pelvic floor stuff. I was like, I am not ready for pelvic floor. <laughs> but then I did it and I was like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> but it's, and you're from the balcony, like, yeah, babe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do like 10 more minutes. Is that okay with you? Are you good? Yeah. For that? Okay. Um, I want to see. Okay, the, I can never say the word. You were, you, you mentioned it, the perennial massage. Perennial. Yeah, yeah. Perennial, perennial. Isn't that a plant? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. I was like, yeah, I'm doing that for sure. I'm doing that. And then I just got way too big. I could not reach anymore. And I kind of like subtly mentioned it to Seth and he was like, ah! I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'll be fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> so I did not do that. I did end up tearing, but it's because she came out with her hand at her head and because it was so fast. I think the yeah, faster yeah. it is, you more. Yeah. And my midwife, she's like, oh, my track record of tearing is very low because like hot compress and all this stuff. And I was like, cool, yeah. great. And then she wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, oh, the contraction counter. I saw that in the blog that you had written, just like to track your contractions and how often they're happening. That was huge for me, first of all, because I knew that they were typically a minute. So I could be like, okay, we're halfway through. But also I labored, when I got to the hospital, I was six centimeters dilated. So I did a lot of stuff at home. And then to know like, oh, they're like three to five minutes apart. It's time to go in. Like, it just helps you to kind of have a gauge of how far you are in it. Like, what would you say about the? Yeah, I think you know, when you're in very early labor and, you know, your contractions are 15 minutes apart, whatever, especially with your next children, like you might have a lot of what's called prodromal labor. And that means like you're not really in labor. So I think for women, like, if they're 15 minutes apart, you literally don't have to count every single one. Like probably stay away from your timer for a yeah. while. That can get in your head and you can be like, oh, this is taking forever. Like why, <laughs> like, why aren't they literally speeding up? So I would say like chill on the timer until you're like, I, I feel like these are getting pretty consistent and maybe they're getting, they even feel a little more painful. Um, but then, yeah, if you want to start timing your contractions so that, you know, there's like um, apps now, like that's apps, what I used and literally just like time your push a button. It starts push a button. It's yeah. Yeah. And so for my first birth with Max, I timed my contractions when I was in the hospital, I would time the contractions. And then I was doing that squat thing. And <laughs> that to be so helpful. I would look, I would do 10 breaths. And then I would look, I think they were like 90 seconds at the time. And, and then I just felt I was like, Yes, I'm so close. Like, you're a bad bitch, you could do this. <laughs> but then with Trey, my second birth, and I was talking about my like tranquility, I think I was like low key hypnobirthing. I think so too. I'm them because I was like, I feel like I just have this. Like, I feel like I'm really in control and I don't need that timer. So you'll also like, you'll also just go into each birth and maybe it works really well. Maybe this time you're like, mm, I don't really care about the timer. 
And that's what I think is important just to know the tools available. There's a tub if you want it, there's a shower if you want it, there's a stool if you want it. And if you don't, you don't have to use it. But just like knowing what's available, I think is really important. Yeah, really, you guys, I have so I, I'm gonna like send this to you. But they're like, these are all different positions that are comfort measures. Mm. And so like, what I just wish that women knew is that right. there's more options. I feel like and like one thing is you guys, I love labor and delivery nurses. I like have a bunch of friends that are labor and delivery nurses. They're, they're like angels, right? But what we have to understand about the medical system is they're not always set up for success. So like if you're not getting close to the end, they're kind of in and out of your room. Um, studies show they were in the laboring mom's room for nine minutes of the hour in, in those early stages because they have other patients. They have to chart. They have to do their thing. They're very busy women and men. So like, that's why I'm like, I wish women had more tools in their toolbox when they go in because the, the labor nurse, unfortunately, can't be right in there. That's why a lot of people do hire doulas or be like, right. hey, let's learn about some things so that when you're like kind of depending on if your birth goddess Shayla or someone like me that like likes to move around a little bit, you have options like you have options like there's you. I just wish people knew more about what could help them when they're really in pain or they need something new or say you're not progressing. Say you might have a baby that's a little bit male positioned. And so like they're not pressing down on your cervix enough for you to pro progress. A lot of times that's like, okay, let's try an asymmetrical position for like four contractions and see if the baby starts like yeah. a little more like that's, where we could empower women to be like, there's, there's a ton of options. And that's what we did. We did spinning babies. And so Seth was there to learn like the rebozo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, I was doing like forearm stands during contractions, which then they were like, they worried about the cord. So maybe don't do that. But there's just like, there was like all these things that we were doing. And it is, it's just like you and your partner understanding like the different things that they can help. Um, going back to tearing quickly what that was my biggest fear i was terrified i was so scared and my midwife told me typically women don't know that they tear like it just happens so fast it's so furious it's like so that you're not like you don't really do you did you tear i tore all three times and i was like a two each time yeah like, just like you my pushing phases were so quick that yeah that was a contributor. I mean, my babies all had huge heads. They were like in the 90th percentile. So I don't know. Oh my God. The, um, the perineal stretching has been proven. Like that's a good way to prevent tearing. Um, I did that. It didn't, it didn't make it zero, but I think that a lot of times women have this huge fear of tearing and it can be very hard depending on the degree. But I will say like the first time was the hardest recovery. Like I could literally, right. my stitches, she said it was like roping. So like there's scar tissue. And so a lot of women also don't know like, hey, let's get in there and let's help it's after it's healed, right? Cause you're not right. yeah. In, like, yeah. on like a fresh tear, but like, you know, like literally moving your scar tissue so that it can relax. Because what we're talking about here, you guys, is like, okay, a lot of times what we have to understand is like tearing can literally affect your sex life forever. 
or we can like get what we need. Like if things don't feel right down there, you have to advocate yourself for yourself. Say, I want to go to a women's health physical therapist. Like when I have sex, I can literally feel like I could feel my terror. And so I go to a women's health physical therapist and I needed to learn how to move the scar tissue so that Hmm. it so I like to tell women, I'm like, don't settle for like good or yeah, I, I guess I'm okay. Like I want to have great sex again. after. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to do what I need to do. But I would say second and third time, although I teared, I literally felt completely fine like afterwards. So we have to understand the first time we're giving birth, the tissues never stretched like that ever, right. ever. So that can be the time where things are a little bit more sore. Of course, in certain situations, if you have prolonged delivery, the second or third time could could be bad too. But get right. the need um, because you don't want to live with that. Well, and I think that's what I mean more of just like, I, I didn't even think of the recovery process. I just thought of like, I'm going to feel my skin ripping. Like, and that was terrifying. Yeah. And my midwife was like, no. But like, what we also have to understand is like, like Shayla and I have four birth experiences. I never felt the ring of fire and like, so sorry for anyone that was like, I totally had that. I, but I didn't like, I never felt this ring of fire that everyone's talking about. So like, and you tore. So yeah. Yeah. Like you might not have the same experience. And we learned that in our doula training is like, don't attach yourself to your sister's experience. Don't attach yourself to your best friend's experience. Don't write your story. Like you and that baby have to write your story together. Yeah. Can't do that until it's, it's happening. So like, you know what's going to happen. Right. Okay. Awesome. Well, there's a ton of questions, but I feel like we covered a ton of them. And I loved this. <laughs> I loved hearing. Yeah. No, it was so fun. And so I have a blog coming out of like your 10 tips. So that's going to be helpful. And then I also have a YouTube channel where I talked about my whole hypnobirthing experience, which was partially just my documenting for my personal like remembering. Yeah, yeah. I remember the next day, Steph and I, pull, I was like pulled out a camera and him and I just recorded something for ourselves and like retold the story because it was fresh. <laughs> I was like, this I've is heard birth stories every time and like on their birthdays, I'll read them, which I think would be really cool for anyone, no matter your birthday. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm up right now. It's like just, <laughs> it can be such a beautiful moment. And like part of the reason Shayla and I wanted to do this is to be like you guys, because I think when you hear unmedicated, sometimes you just, you don't feel confident. You don't hear the positive stories. And what we wanted to provide you with was some positive affirmation that a lot of women do this. Like if it's something that you want to do, like, you know, go after it, prepare yourself for it. Totally. And you don't have to tell everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Thank you. And also, yeah. like, nice to meet you in person. I feel like we've just been emailing back and forth. This is fun. So fun for having me. Yes. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share with somebody you think would love. And I would be so honored if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment and rating below so I can know what you guys are digging, what you want more of, just connect with you a little better. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,